Well, we are starting a brand new series today, and it's going to be a long journey of a series through the book of Luke. I think in this time, why this is important is because, um, in, especially in this time, the Word of God obviously is full of instruction for us. It's for our guidance. It is God's Word to us. But there's something about getting into the Gospels, which really looks at Jesus' words and really focuses on uh, the way of the kingdom, because we know that this world is not the only world we're living for, this physical world. There is another world that is very real and very evident. It's a spiritual world that we are a part of as well. And Jesus came to, to make it so we, we could understand this world as well. And so going through the book of Luke's, Luke is really um, important. Uh, before I get going, though, I just want to give some clarity. Last week, I talked about a sabbatical that I'm going to be taking um, this summer. And, uh, and I, was, I was just kind of introducing the topic a little bit, not thinking a big deal of it. And then someone goes like, you're going to be gone for a year? And it's like, so let me just clarify. Um, our policy at the church is after 10 years of service, you're, you're um, able for a sabbatical, a 10-week sabbatical. So it will be a 10-week sabbatical during the summer sometime. I haven't fully picked those um, dates yet. But I want to say that um, I've actually, it was, my sabbatical was supposed to be two years ago, but that was right before the pandemic hit. And I was like, uh, we're not doing this now. We need to keep consistency going through this time. So um, I am so grateful that uh, we're in a strong place and we have an amazing team and leaders throughout the church that um, it is going to be, uh, um, we're not going to miss a step. And last week when I was talking about it, I was a little concerned because everybody started cheering and clapping, and I was starting to get very insecure about what that meant. But you, you told me afterwards, it was like, you're just happy for me. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, let's get into the, uh, the book of Luke. And uh, we're going to start... Um, uh, in chapter 3, because really around the Christmas time, we, we spent some time in Luke, and that was really the, the birth of Jesus Christ and the foretelling of his coming. But, but I think it's also important to understand who is Luke, who is Luke first and foremost. So Luke, <laughs> Luke wrote the book of Luke, the gospel, um, but he also wrote another very important book, which is the book of Acts. Um, I've said this, um, which is half right, but I would say, who wrote most of the New Testament? And we would say Paul did, but actually for volume, Luke, you take the book of Luke and Acts combined is more volume than the Apostle Paul actually wrote um, in the New Testament. So there's a little fun fact for you. So Luke was a physician, and he was a doctor, um, he's also considered an evangelist, and the interesting thing about Luke was he wasn't actually one of, his, one of Jesus' disciples. He wasn't actually with Jesus. Um, but uh, he, was, he wrote this close to the time, probably about 40 years after the death of Jesus um, and resurrection did Luke write this. The interesting thing, though, was Luke was a strong companion to the Apostle Paul. They did a lot of missionary journeys together. And probably God knew that Paul was going to get beat up a lot, and he needed a doctor to be his companion. So God knew what he was doing by putting those two together. But what I really appreciate about Luke is, is his writing style. He was an amazing historian, telling us the actual accounts of what took place, and um, Jesus' words in red, 
So it was, it was pretty impressive how he wrote. And, he, and I think because of a doctor being a doctor first, he understood how to do good research and then how to uh, explain things really well. So we're going to go into the book of uh, Luke. But Audrey, can I have my tea right there, please? Right on the, thank you so much. So we're going to start in chapter 3, because we've already kind of gone through the Christmas story, if you will, or the account of Jesus' birth. So we're going to be talking about John the Baptist. So we know in in chapter 3 in Luke, John, by the way, I would encourage you, bring your Bibles. Um, Your devices are fine, but it's harder to underline in your device and just kind of take some notes as you're going along here. Because I really trust that the Lord's going to speak to us, and you want to be able to not only write down, but you want to be able to underline some things in your Bible as well. So, who's John the Baptist? So, we know that John the Baptist was born uh, the similar time of Jesus. Jesus' mother, Mary, was also um, a relative to Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom. Got a dry throat this morning here. Okay, so, so we know something about John the Baptist. He was the one in the wilderness that was proclaiming uh, the coming of the Messiah. Wow, if I'm going to have to try to get through this here uh, this morning. I was fine until two minutes ago, but all of a sudden I got this wicked tickle. <laughs> you know you're a New Englander when you say wicked, right? Man, I have been, I have been indoctrinated into the New England ways. Wicked in the good sense, though, right? Not wicked in the evil sense. I know, I always thought that word, like, that. it seems like an oxymoron when it says wicked good. Um, oh, yeah, you know what? That's probably going to help. Thank you so much, Wayne. All right, we're going to get through this. We'll press through. It's like a blizzard, right? You just endure it until it's over, and then... Then there's a lot of cleanup afterwards. So I'm hoping there's not a lot of cleanup after this message. <laughs> Just get to the point here, Pastor Mark. Oh, Wayne, that's hitting the spot. That is perfect. All right, John the Baptist. So, yeah, so he was, um, Jesus and John were, were probably second cousins. And here's, here is now John the Baptist in the wilderness baptizing people, water baptism. And Jesus himself gets water baptized by John. And that's really kind of setting the tone for us in the sense of why baptism is important. It is a reflection of Jesus not only dying on the cross, but going to the grave and coming back out. But Jesus models for us this idea of going in the water and and representing death and resurrection. So, So here we go. This is the important part that I want to read a little bit for you. In, in Luke chapter 3, you're, gonna, you're going to start hearing what the kingdom of God is starting to be like. I want you to read that sometime this week, um, Luke chapter 3. But then he says something uh, really uh, important in verse um, 17. We're going to start in 15. So it says, As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ... So John had a following, um, John the Baptist did, but he always 
deflected and says, I'm not the one. I'm preparing the way for Jesus. John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but the one who is mightier than I is coming. The straps of of whose sandals I'm not worthy to um, untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John baptized in water, and we still do that today, water baptism. I, I would say if you haven't been baptized yet in water, we typically do our water baptisms in the summertime in the river. Uh, great opportunity for you to, to show your dedication to Jesus Christ, your new life in him. But, but I, I, a lot of people have asked, what does that mean, that he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire? So we're going to dig into this a little bit. I, I feel like today there's a couple places in Luke that he begins to talk about this, this fire. And I, I want to read, um, actually it's from the Berean Study Bible. It just says it a little bit differently. Um, Luke chapter... Luke chapter 12, verse 49, says this. Now, this is interesting because the title of the scripture says, not peace, but division. Not peace, but division. Because it's interesting that we, when we think about Christianity or we think about following Jesus, we always just think about Jesus is about unity and peace, right? So, but then this title says, not peace, but division. That, that's a little, this should spark some interest for you. Now, these are Jesus' words in red. I've come to ignite a fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. Jesus is speaking. This is his ministry now here on earth. But I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Now, the baptism that Jesus is talking about here is his baptism into death. He knows that he's going to die, and again, that's the symbolism of our own water baptism. So he's saying he's already knowing Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. He's knowing this is what's going to be in front of him. So then he goes on to say, do you think that I have come to bring peace on earth? He says, no. Okay, does that, does that cause you to think a little bit? Because we've always been told, peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? So, but now here Jesus is saying, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. And again, that feels contrary to like, oh, we're just supposed to unite everything together, right? Just one big happy world. But he says, no division. From now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Uh, they will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law uh, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So, so how is this, what is Jesus saying here? So he starts by saying, I'm hoping that fire comes to earth. Then he says, um, I've come to ignite a fire on the earth. So what is this that he's talking about, this fire, and, and why is it creating division? Well, if you go into the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote, 
we see the symbolism, well, that's actually not symbolism, people talked about it, that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire rested on their heads. So there's something about this fire that is Jesus is beginning to say. He goes, I wish there were fire on earth. This fire is going to divide, not bring peace. And, and yet we know when Jesus leaves, he says it's good for him to leave because he's going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit to this earth. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with tongues of fire over people's heads. Okay, so what does all this mean? I believe that when you give your life to Jesus and you're saying, you know what, I want to live fully for him, not in a, hey, I checked the box, I made a decision for him. I want to live passionately for him. I want to live on fire for him. That when you do, it is going to cause division. When you begin to live righteous and when you begin to live for Jesus and when you begin to live like passionate for him, it is going to tick some people off. And, and, and again, we don't do it to tick people off. It is actually this division of light and darkness. See, Jesus says that we're supposed to be salt and light, that we are supposed to be somehow shining bright to this world, that we are, our lives are to be on fire for Jesus. And in that process, it's going to create division. Uh, the Bible also says, how does, how does light have fellowship with darkness? And this is what happens when you come to Christ, you, you begin to start realizing that you have a passion that you never knew you had. You had a purpose that you never had, and that you want to bring light wherever you go. But light is always in contrast and is always competing against darkness. And that doesn't feel great for us. And so how does it apply to you and apply to us? We actually don't like to be feeling uh, divided amongst people, right? We actually don't want to be called out. We actually don't want to be different than everybody else because it doesn't always feel great, does it? But in many ways, Jesus says he's going to be a time where he's going to be separating the sheep from the goats, there's this going to be dividing, this, this separating between um, people. And again, our job isn't to go around all arrogant and pious and with the intention of like, see, the, I've got the light, you've got the darkness, and yeah, you're not going to like me. And you've been around some of those people too, right? It's just like there's no consideration, no love for other people. They just want to kind of like, I'm a Jesus follower now, so take it or leave it, right? But I think Jesus is, is, is reminding us that when we come to him, this is not about just living, uh, making a decision and then living your life the, the way that you've always lived it. So John leads us by saying, it starts with repentance, and that was John's kind of ministry, that we need to, we need to ask for forgiveness from our sins, repent of our old ways, because it only brings us into greater darkness. But Jesus says he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, that, that when, you, when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit fills you, but there's this other infilling of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to allow your light to shine bright. Jesus says, I want this fire to come on earth. Now, back in, that, in um, Luke chapter 12, 
In the ESV, it, it says this, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that were already kindled. In other words, you could read that and saying, you know what, Jesus is casting fire. You're, you're kind of picturing like end of the world stuff, a big asteroids coming in on fiery things and set things on fire in a destructive way. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want this fire to be burning so brightly in people's lives that I really want you to be on fire for me, that you are a separator of light and darkness. And my question for you is, does anybody, is there any separation between light and darkness in your life? Because Jesus says, when you're on fire for him, there's going to be division in, even amongst your own household. Those who don't want to have anything to do with God. People don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. They don't want to have anything to do with this burning passion that you have, this love that you have for Jesus that's compelling you to love people around you. But it's also going to compel you to stand up for righteousness, to stand up for the things that, that are opposed to God in this world. There's something so inspiring about people who will step out with courage, right? I, um, I've been very fascinated by this uh, freedom convoy in, um, through Canada. And basically, these, these truckers are basically saying, you know, we don't agree with the uh, political stance on vaccine passports and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to go political on it. But I, I've been inspired by how many people would line the roads and hold up signs and saying, we're for freedom. And, and these truckers who, this convoy that's setting world records, the, the, the longest convoy, I guess, was in Egypt at eight miles long. And this convoy at one point in time was 40 miles long with big tractor trailers back to back going from east to west. And again, I'm not making a, a point on, uh, on the quest for freedom, but what I'm saying, I, I, I found myself so inspired by it, but I'm like, why am I so inspired? It's, it's because I'm starting to see people stand up for what they believe is, is right and what is righteous, and, and, and they're standing in the face of opposition, and they're allowing their light to shine brightly. Now, and again, I, I would be like, that's in a system of the world, but how much more would that be for us as Christ followers that, again, we're, we're known by our love for one another, right? But our lights would shine so bright that people around us would be so inspired by our life because they're saying, they're just not doing everything else that the rest of the world is doing. They're living a different way. They've got some other passion inside of them that's, that's compelling them to live a different way. And and why is it that they've got... Oh, by the way, when Jesus says he didn't come for peace and, and more for division, this is what it means. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, by the way. And so he comes, and when you make a decision for Christ, it brings inner peace. He is not saying that he is trying to create peace on earth in the sense of, like, everybody get along. He, he hopes that everybody would find him. He, his desire is that none should perish, but that is not our objective, is to have everybody get along. That's not really what he came here for. He came here to usher in a kingdom, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of love. And he's beginning to tell us, it's like, 
And when you do this, I want your light to shine bright, and I've given you the very thing to allow it to do, which is the Holy Spirit. But we need to, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our life, and, and we need to begin to not live complacent. And I, and I just often felt like, how does complacency happen in my own life? How does my, how does my fire for Jesus begin to dim? And, and honestly, it's, it's the... It's the weight of the world. It's the, it's the routines of the world. It's the, it is complacency. It's kind of like just going through the motions. And yet, he's saying, if you're just going through the motions, probably you're not creating any waves. And I know, depending on where you stand on certain issues in our world today, you're getting either really excited, like, I'm going to create waves. That's what I should be doing. I just want to caution you. It's what I'm saying is not necessarily to create political waves or those types of things. I'm just saying, is the light of Christ in you shining so bright that it it comes against the darkness in such a way that sometimes it feels divisive? And and I think that I want you to be okay with this idea that that if sometimes there's that feeling of divisiveness. And you're not being uh, flagrant or arrogant or being a complete jerk about your Christian faith, because I don't think that jerk and Christian faith go, go hand in hand. <laughs> I think it, it, is, it is warm, it is loving, it is uh, wooing. But at some point in time, there are people who will say, you know what, I do not want to have anything to do with Jesus, and it will create division. This is when Jesus was saying, fathers against sons, um, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. It's just going to be these relational uh, rifts that will take place because of your fervency for Jesus. I'm even hearing me say some of these words, and, and, and I think I'm even questioning what I'm saying to you, but because I'm not questioning what I'm saying to you. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm pausing because I know what's your head is saying, it's like, wait a second, we're supposed to be unified, we're supposed to be about peace, but it sounds so different. Why is Jesus telling us these things? <clears throat> Again, this whole idea of the book of Luke at this time is, I feel like God's leading us through this because he's trying to build some courage in us. He's trying to build some things to saying, you know what? You don't just have to slip in and be like w- normal with the rest of the world. You know, it's like, as long as people like me, I'm doing a good thing. Right? That's the, that's the, that's, I believe that's the trick of the enemy. As long as I'm not creating waves, then, then I must be good. I'm a good Christian because I'm not creating waves. I'll show them, um, I'll show them just, I'll, be a, I'll live a good life. And, and Jesus is, is saying, it's probably going to create waves if you're really living passionately on fire for me. I want to read with you to, for you Luke chapter 12 again. Jesus' words. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words from, from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. In other words, it's like 
I'm hoping the Holy He's talking about the Holy Spirit, I believe, because this hasn't been kindled yet. It's coming in the early church when he brings the Holy Spirit on. So he's ta- I believe he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He goes, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great um, it is my distress until it is accomplished. That's talking about his death and resurrection. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? Jesus says this. And then he says, no, I tell you, but rather division. You see, when he talks about this division, you've got to remember there is going to be a time where he separates the sheep from the goats. And that's Matthew 25. And he's saying, like, so who are, who are the sheep and who are the goats? And he talks about the sheep are the ones who care for the least of these, the ones who visited people in prison, the ones who... Uh, who cared for the poor, who looked after the sick. And so, again, if you're trying to live a certain way, and this is why at Grace Capital Church we talk about getting you ready to meet Jesus face-to-face by reaching the lost, which we're going to go through some of those parables in Luke, by caring for the least, the least of these that Jesus says in Matthew 25, and training the found, and that's our call to discipleship. And so... I'm not encouraging you to start picking fights to create division. <laughs> I want to be clear. I'm just saying, when your light is burning so bright for Jesus, think of yourself as a lantern, that wherever you go, that there are the things, the evidence of Christ, the fruit of his spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that you want to be looking at of, of how filled you are. That's going to be evidence of your bright light. Your bright light will come in contrast to the darkness of the world. And my concern is that we've been taught to meld in. We've been taught to just kind of be complacent. We don't want to make too much of a scene. We don't want to be too aggressive. We don't want to be... And and yet, I think our, our light has become quite dim because we thought that. And I just want to encourage us to maybe consider that, that, that there might be another way. That it's okay to allow your light to shine brightly, to stand up with courage and with confidence in the face of opposition. I want to close on this one scripture. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now Jesus talks about being a disciple, or the cost of discipleship is the title in this, in Luke chapter 14. Says this, now the great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
For which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to uh, to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, it, it, it is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, anyone who does not, therefore, so therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Renounce your reputation. Renounce your style of living. Renounce, here he's talking about fathers and mothers. Renounce your family relationships. He's basically, he's not, he's not saying you have to reject them. He's just saying, who has the authority, the ultimate authority in your life? And, and at what, when you make a decision of who you're going to sh- show your allegiance to, who's it going to be, a family member or to Jesus? And, and these are hard words, and, and, I, and I, I, I feel the, the weight of these words in this room today and those watching online. But I think that this is what Jesus is encouraging us with, is, is, is understanding this is like where the rubber meets the road season of time, that we have to be prepared to say this is the cost of a, being a follower of Jesus. Yeah. This is the cost. But he believes that you can accomplish this because of the Holy Spirit. You look at all the, all the disciples... Um, that went through here, they all actually faced really horrible deaths through persecution, um, being told lies against. How many times was Paul imprisoned? Multiple times. Why? Because he, he kept standing up to, to, to the things of, of Christ and his kingdom, which were very opposed um, to the world at the time. This final thought, I want to let you know that remember when, when Jesus, the Messiah, the triumphal entry coming into Jerusalem before he is crucified, everybody was cheering for Jesus because they thought he was going to overthrow the tyranny of the Roman government. And Jesus was sad because he's saying, you're missing the point. Jesus had no problem calling a spade a spade. He called the the religious leaders, the Pharisees, a brood of vipers, right? Jesus could know how to call it out the way it is. But I think the other thing that we could easily do is we could get caught up in the systems of this world and still miss the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus' point was. It's like, you guys are looking to overthrow Rome and their tyranny, and yet I'm ushering in a new kingdom of hope and life and freedom and uh, prosperity, to live into the kingdom of God, and yet you, all you're thinking about is, is, is overthrowing a government. 
And he said, you're missing the point. So as we live as salt and light, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, letting our light shine bright, it will create division. It might not always bring peace to your household. As you look to be filled with his peace, but it will produce things in your life. The fruit of the Spirit. And if you're ever wondering if you're on the right side of something, you have to ask this question. What is my life producing for fruit? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there patience? Is there kindness? Is there gentleness? Is there self-control? I think I'm missing one there. Maybe. Faithfulness? Because if you're missing those things and you're standing against something, chances are you're just being a jerk. Because <laughs> you don't have the things of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And, and that's the evidence of your of your flame, the fire that Jesus wants you to burn passionately for, you're representing the wrong gospel. We live in very interesting times. We do have governments that have some tyranny going on around the world. We do have wars and rumors of wars. Boy, by the way, please be praying for Ukraine right now. We have some people who uh, are attached to our congregation that are from that country, and uh, it's a really difficult time for them. The thought of being invaded uh, by another country into your country that's going to give hurt and pain, destruction. You know, we've got talk that China might do something to Taiwan during these times as well, and We're coming out of this pandemic and and yet don't really know what all the ramifications are going to be of it. But in this message today, I I just want to encourage you that Jesus is saying it's, it's time to act with courage and to have your lives be living with great passion for Jesus. It's not a time to be lukewarm. Actually, it's the very thing that Jesus says, I'd rather you hot or cold. But lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So choose what side you're going to be on. And I'm, I'm talking to, I know, the people who, who are going to choose the right side. But I guess I'm, I want to give that encouragement to you today that if, if people are, are, you're feeling like those relationships start to divide a little bit, do everything you can to be loving and kind and gracious. But if at the end of the day, that light comes into into competition with darkness, meaning that they're competing, they're colliding, just be okay. Be okay. Because it's just, it's the, it's the nature and the battle of spiritual forces. And do we want to see everybody come to know Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. 
We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.